Hey y'all, you're listening to Chit Chats with Lonnie, a podcast that was created to unpack some shit while also amplifying black and brown voices. I'm your host, Jelani Weaver, and I hope you're ready to chit chat. Hey y'all, it's me, Lonnie. Uh, Today I have a special guest, Lindsay. She is one of my um, connections on LinkedIn and we've known each other, but this is our first time like legit talking. And so today uh, me and her are going to chit chat about women of color in leadership positions and we're going to unpack that. And so I'm so excited to have her on and I could introduce her, but I feel like it's better if I let her introduce herself. And so Lindsay, I'll let you have the floor. And do you prefer, like, what are your pronouns? I know a lot of people are like, (laughs) I appreciate that. You're on it. Well, so good to be here, Lonnie. It is uh, a true pleasure. My pronouns are she, her, just excited to be here. Like Lonnie said, you know, we've uh, connected a couple of times on LinkedIn and this is really our first time to get to chit chat. So excited to dig into, you know, what leadership looks like and in this world that we live in that's so digital and so just upended in the past couple of years and what it looks like to be a woman of color in all of that and just really excited. Yes, for sure. And I'm excited too. And I feel like this is a topic nowadays because now I think that since the pandemic happened, everybody is more so, you know, trying to get their diversity efforts up and actually trying to, you know, have that diverse leadership, um, diversity in the executive board, bringing people up like with promotions. And so I think that this is like a great topic nowadays for just to bring awareness to, you know, what is a leader? And like, what does that mean? So what do you like consider a leader? Do you consider yourself a leader? And like, what is like your leading style, I guess? Yeah, it's a great question. I think oftentimes when I think of business leader, for example, the first images that flash in my mind are like Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which is just the classic like, yeah, I have a company and it's worth billions of dollars and I lead people. But when I really think about like who has led me in my life, you know, I think about some of my past managers for sure. I think about some of the different executives that have either been at companies that I've been at or who have kind of taken me under their wing a little bit. I think of my mom, even as we start to think about that word leadership that we look at our individual lives. What about you? What do you, what comes to mind when you think of leadership? Oh, I think about somebody that I can look up to. Um, somebody that I can trust, somebody that I know is going to back me regardless. And I, right now I report to an amazing leader and I, I never thought I would actually have the connection that I have with my leader. I don't consider them a manager. And I know oftentimes people, they get those mixed up. Like nowadays people want a good leader and not mm-hmm. a good manager because you can be a manager, but not know how to lead, For you know, sure. or you could just have a bad leading style. You could tell people what to do instead of trying to lead them and coach them into wanting to what to do. And so I think like just identifying like, are you a leader or are you a manager and just that authority figure? And I think like when I think of like leadership or like even that executive presence. I know I can't stand that word. That's like kind of like cultural (laughs) fit. I can't stand that because Mm -hmm. ideally when we think of executive fit or that executive presence, it's a white man. 
You know, it has nothing to do with a woman and add a woman in color of that. Oh, my gosh, everybody's freaking out. Right. And so I think like just trying to step away from that and trying to like rebuild of what does that executive look or why do we even have that word? Like, why is there a look? And I feel like that's what it is. Um, I did some researching and I think last time I checked, there was only out of the Fortune 500, there was only, I think, 49 diverse mm-hmm. CEOs and maybe two women of color, maybe. <laughs> yeah, you don't need to go much further than those numbers right there. Yeah, yeah long. like don't quote me on that. Hopefully it got a little bit better and hopefully that's inaccurate. But I know yeah. it was far to none. It's like I think about that as like why why is that? Why aren't we up there? Yeah. To your point of executive presence, like I think about a couple times in, you know, my work experience where I was up for an opportunity and I one comes to mind at a previous workplace where I had the potential to go fly to Europe and speak on behalf of the company. I was like super last minute, somebody needed to go. And I ended up being kind of passed over for it. And I think mm-hmm. in those situations as a as a woman of color, like it it's hard to distinguish, am I being passed over because I'm a woman? Mm-hmm. Am I being passed over because I'm a person of color? Am I literally just not qualified? Yeah. But then if you decide you're just not qualified, well, you got to look at who sets the qualifications Mm -hmm. and what are the qualifications. And so often those qualifications are set by, you know, the traditional straight white man Mm -hmm. and the kind of bar is set by him and to look like him. And so even if you are qualified in a different sense of the word, you know, it it somehow all gets really interlaced. Yeah, no. And that's good. And I know like when I'm recruiting, I always have to remind myself and remind like my hiring partners or when I was sourcing, I would say, okay, when I'm looking for people for these positions, I'm going to find diverse talent. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people think of diverse talent as just like, okay, another woman or another skill set. And I want to say no, like diverse in, yes, they're a woman, but a woman of color, Um, particularly, you know, black women, because I feel like Sometimes if you just do women, they usually they have a white woman. And a lot of people are probably going to hate when I say this, but I think that women of color, specifically black women, we're still at the bottom. And somehow we're always getting stepped on by somebody and we have to prove ourselves extra hard. Like when you said like qualifications, like, okay, well, why wasn't that of qualification for somebody else? Like, why do I have to be overqualified just to be qualified? Right. Like, what does that mean? (laughs) Yeah. No, it's such a good question. I'm curious to ask you, like, how do you think Black women are perceived when the the intent certainly isn't to be perceived that way? I think automatically it always brings me to the angry Black woman. Or if we have something to say, you know, we're, we're coming off as like, oh, you know, why are they so angry or why are they? And it's like, no, I'm expressing myself. I'm sorry that I'm not just going to you know, sit down and let y'all talk. If I have something to say, I have something to say, you know, and I don't think they're ready for that. They're not ready for us to be vocal because that's one thing that we are 
are is vocal. Like you're not going to tone us down. Um, and then th- there comes the microaggressions. Or if I, somebody else were to say exactly what I was saying, it's not a problem. But because of the color of my skin or how my facial expressions are, or because I want to express how I'm feeling, now it's a problem because I'm not supposed to have feelings. You know, I'm just supposed to get the job done. Right. And then that could, we could also dive into the strong, independent Black woman. <laughs> you know, um, but they don't want us to be strong in that aspect. They they don't want us to be strong when it comes to leadership or they don't want us to want more. But in other ways, we're that strong, independent black woman. Yeah, for sure. I, I definitely agree. I think the uh, the angry black woman comes to mind. I think oftentimes to like um, incompetency, maybe mm-hmm. where it's, uh, you know, I don't know what she or or he works on. Um and just kind of questioning like someone's ability to get something done specifically, you know, black women in the workplace. And I think it's just this microscope that's put on to the the work that's being done that isn't there otherwise and just isn't isn't fair or equitable and pisses me off a lot. <laughs> <laughs> no, and, and I'm and I'm with you on that, and um, and that's the thing is like just educating people, and I think like you see us often in those spaces, and in, in what spaces it usually it's often like you know the spaces where they want to create more so of a diverse, and they think like okay, I'm just add you to the team. Yeah. Um, I I remember at like one of my workplaces, I was the only, and I'm so used to being the only that it doesn't even bother me anymore. But they wanted to add me and I feel like they added me so they they could have that diverse hire, you know, you know, diverse Mm -hmm. hires are huge nowadays. And it's like, okay, no, I'm not going to just be your token. Um, And then I get into this position and get treated like trash or I get here and I can't move up to the next seven years. So I need companies to start hiring for talent and I need there to be a clear path on why you're hiring them. And if you can't see that clear path, then do they really deserve to be here? Because you're not valuing them how you would value somebody else. Like you need to. And those are things that I'm trying to like when I am, you know, since I am in the recruiting seat, I can say, you know, what does growth look like in this role? And if it's mm-hmm. stagnant and, or if it's only stagnant for this person, that's not going to work. I need it to be the same across the board. If you see promotion within six months to a year, I need that to be for everybody. And I need them when they get here, I need that same energy. I just don't need you to give that energy during the interview and during yeah. so we can get a yes, you know? Yeah, I'm so with you. I feel like a lot of times in the DEI space or just in the past couple of years as um, DEI has really like blown up. Uh, we hear a lot the pipeline problem and this argument that, you know, there aren't enough candidates of color to put any effort in. Mm. I've been lucky to be at a in a place where I've been able to see a company really attempt to look at retention as well and just like engagement and the employee experience. And it's a, it's quite a bit more wholesome. Mm-hmm. But I'm curious, as you have this perspective in the recruiting seat and do have that inside look or starting to get that inside look into the pipeline, what are some ways that maybe even we as people of color can like support each other once Mm -hmm. we're inside the company and not just on that, in that pipeline kind of problem area? No, that's a good question. I think retaining. So my goal is to, if I get a person that looks like me, hired, I want to retain you because it really means nothing if I just get you hired and you leave after a year because you're not getting treated right. Because then I failed. 
You know, I want to bring people into a safe environment. I want to bring people into an environment where they feel valued and just don't have a good candidate experience during the interview process. But when you come in, I want you to feel like I belong here, a sense of belonging. And I think like, how do companies, and this often goes through my mind, like how do we we retain talent? Because I know a lot of my companies that I've had in the past, they the highest rate is because of black women. Like I've worked for companies where we're losing black women left and right in high positions. And it makes me think like, what are we doing wrong? And I always, I don't know if this is a good or bad thing, but I always reach out to that black woman that left because usually I'm close with them. And I ask like, why'd you leave? You know, because I'm curious to know because they're not going to say they're going to say they got better opportunity. And usually it's, I do have a better opportunity and I'm doing what I want to do. I I was being stagnant. I was promised, you know, a promotion and I have yet to see it. And it's like, wow. Or like, hey, they gave so-and-so that has been under me and been working here for less time. They gave them the promotion before me and they said that I'm not qualified or they put you in a different position that you don't even want to be in. And so it just makes you think like, I think employers need to really learn how to read the room. You know, and like read their <laughs> and like read their employees. If your employee tells you that they're not happy, don't just be like, okay, here, we can give you a raise because they're quick to throw money at you. And some people would catch it, but just throwing money isn't gonna keep them longer. It may, may keep them a year or two longer, but then they're gonna eventually leave. But I think like actually hearing them when they ask for help, give them help when they say they, they need something more out of this role. Give them that, you know? Yeah, 100%. It's uh, it's so much more about the money than we like to make it. Exactly. And like, what do you think like some practices, because I often, like I said, think about this, but what do you think some practices um, that employers can do to just retain us? Like if you, yeah. like how can you get kept, <laughs> you know? Like yeah. I always look at like you in a job is like a relationship. Like what keeps you there? What is going to continue to keep you there? So that's my question for you is like, what keeps you somewhere? Yeah. And it's a great question. I think it has to be a combination of things to your point of more than just money. Of course, competitive and and great compensation in order to live a life where your needs are met and you're able to adventure and explore, like that's important. So a competitive compensation is important outside of that. Mm I think uh, feeling a sense of respect um, as with the value that you bring to the table. So even if your experience doesn't exactly line up with someone else on your team, you are still valued equally as a human being and as what you can bring to the table. And knowing that your employer is looking for your strengths um, and is pointing out strengths in your reviews and is investing in your development, especially if you're taking on some extra work, is mm-hmm. really crucial. So, for example, with like a lot of DEI work, you know, I talk to a lot of different folks who like lead employee resource groups, and I try to just make connections on LinkedIn within that world and give people calls and just pick their brains. Mm-hmm. And from what I can understand, you know, the people who are most impacted by systematic racism are often the ones that carry the burden to fix it. Mm. And that will never, I don't think that will ever not be true just as a function mm-hmm. of how things work. You know, we can appreciate our allies and we can appreciate the the folks who are working to do something about that. And we certainly need to work with them, 
But at the end of the day, that burden is sitting on the shoulders of those of us who are hit by it. And so I think when you ask the question, what can a company do about that? It's like, okay, if you're setting up these opportunities for women to lead women or for, you know, BIPOC to lead BIPOC, um, for even veterans to lead veterans, Mm -hmm. then let's incentivize further those volunteer Mm -hmm. opportunities. So maybe it's a L&D budget, maybe it is, you know, a certification, maybe it is a hospitality budget where you're able to take out coworkers and pay. Um, Mm -hmm. Just some of these more creative approaches to comping a volunteer position that helps your company to be more equitable and inclusive. Yeah, no, I love that. And it's crazy that you said that, you know, that DNI space is like where we usually are and where we're usually needed. And I wonder if companies are going to realize that, hey, you know, like we belong in other places other than the DNI space totally. <laughs> or, leading like the, or leading like the diverse ERGs. And it seems like every time, and I like, I love the, everybody in the DNI space, but it's like, Okay, guys, you know that there's other places within yeah. the company that we want to be, you know, seen at. Like, what if I want to be the vice president of marketing? Like, right. I deserve to be up there and not just in a space. And it's like they want us to bring in more people because ideally, if we see, I know I used to be like this, if I saw somebody in the IDE space that looked like me, I'm going to gravitate more. But it's like, okay, if we're all just in one space, what does the rest of the company look like? Right. You know? Uh, so right. that, that, yeah. And I think like the incentives and often like, how can we get our names out there? I know a lot of companies, they like to be present at HBCUs. And it's mm-hmm. like, hey, you know that there are other Black people, like in other places and in other yeah. groups, not the only source. <laughs> and it's like, okay, I know it's good that you're going to Howard, but you know that right. there's an HBCU down the street in Dallas that's not tapped into, you know, right. or there's a group in Dallas that's not tapped into, and not to mention just like regular college and universities that people <sighs> opt to go <Yes>. to. <laughs> <laughs> like, hello, you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, it's not an excuse. I know like I know we're often um get burnt out when we are in those spaces because we're trying to do so much. You know, it's like how do we prevent that burnout? Um yeah. I know since you're in that space, like how do you prevent burnout or like what if you don't see things happening? Like how do you stay encouraged or stay motivated to continue to do the work that you do? Yeah. I feel like for me it's both setting some boundaries to ensure that I'm not spending all of my energy on this business that at the end of the day cares about the bottom line and recognizing that this work has gone on since the dawn of civilization in terms (laughs) of like (laughs) equity work and, and just trying to create a more just society. And so on that first half, you know, I I really try to maintain a pretty solid morning routine. Some days are better than others, but Mm -hmm. I really try to start in quiet time, just being grateful for everything that's in my life and really trying to center myself in my journaling and my, my meditation and my prayer so that I can bring my, my best self to whatever I show up for, for the day. And then stopping work at 5 PM almost always, you know, sometimes, yeah, it's important to, pull a late night or two, but I try not to do that more than a couple of times a year, to be honest. And I think, you know, we're paid for 
40 hours a week. So let's put in our best for 40 hours and then hit the road. I don't think that there's anything wrong with that. So trying to maintain those boundaries. And then I always come back to this Martin Luther King Jr. quote. And, you know, Martin Luther King has been, was an amazing figure and I think has been um, used many times. And, you know, people have different feelings about his quotes, but there's one that I always come back to, which is the arc of the moral universe is long but it bends towards justice. And so Mm. understanding that when I am calling out a coworker for something that they said about a black woman, or when I am talking to a executive leader about a situation that isn't right in the company and that needs resolution, like, even though I'm not probably going to see exactly what I want to come Mm -hmm. to fruition, I'm planting a seed that years maybe down the line will blossom and Mm -hmm. someone in the future hopefully will benefit from that and I think just recognizing that it takes time is Mm -hmm. is super important that I love that and like starting with like your routine and trying to separate I know for me it's really hard to separate my work in life because I'm so passionate about my work hence why I, I did the podcast and I'm so active on LinkedIn is because it's like it's a passion for me and it goes further out than just in the workplace and I know I catch my signs myself sometimes getting attached to candidates and it's like I'm advocating so hard for them I'm like okay Jelani you did all that you can and now it's up to the hiring manager and the team on who they want to go with and I have to step back sometimes like okay you're just the recruiter and you did like you did your part you brought them in for interview you saw something in them that maybe somebody hasn't seen you gave them a chance and now it's their time to you know shine and so I catch myself like wanting to like be there every step of the way and hold their hand and like I coach them and I do everything I can, but that honestly is draining sometimes because you're putting your all into somebody else. You're pouring into somebody else and trying to help them. And so I I want as much as I would love to help everybody that looks like me, I can't because mm-hmm. it's tiring and it takes so much out of me. And it's like, I did what I could at the end of the end of the day. And then I think like going back to what you said, like just educating people on things like, hey, we don't say that or hey, this is how I'm going to wear my hair or hey, um, just because it's Black History Month, you know, this isn't the only time that we should be celebrating Black history. This isn't the only time that we should be, you know, having these events for black people or Hispanic people or like people of color, like you need to have this year around because we exist year round. We just don't exist during certain months. And I think that a lot of companies, like once they get that in their head that, hey, we need to support them just like we support other groups and other people and we need to support them just as much. That's how they'll learn to retain people and learn to keep people and grow um, because people can go bluff. Like I can call it. (laughs) 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 So I think like, and that all goes back to that leader. So whoever is in that hiring seat should be a leader and not just a manager. Whoever you report to should be somebody that you consider a leader and not just a manager. Um, And it's like an everlasting cycle or an ever going cycle, you know? Yeah, I love that. So that makes me think of a question for you around, okay, if, if you aren't a manager, does that mean that you can't lead? Or just because you lead, does that mean you're, you're a manager? You know, like, I'm, I'm curious, what's mm. your, your differentiation between those two kind of terms? That's a good one. I think that I consider myself a leader, but I don't have a manager title. I think anybody can lead if you have that heart for leading. So like leading, 
Like these are all just titles. Um, And so I think anybody can be a leader if somebody is willing to follow them. Because you may be a manager, you may be a leader, but aren't, or you may consider yourself a leader, but you aren't worth following because you're not doing the right thing. And like, I could get real biblical in this, but I'm not. Uh, <laughs> I mean, go there if you want. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's what I think of when I think of a leader. It's like, do I trust you to guide me the right way? Do I trust you? Like, if we are taking a trip and I have no map and you have the map, and are you trusting for me to follow you and you're not okay. going to lead us into a black hole? You know, whereas like <laughs> right. a manager, you may have just managed that map, but you don't know where the hell we going. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, That's so good. I really like that map illustration. I haven't heard it said like that before, but you're so right. Like if you're in the wilderness and you want somebody to kind of guide you, lead you through it, like that's going to be the leader that you're looking to, not necessarily the manager who's like making sure everything gets done. Mm-hmm. And then also, I think of like a leader is as knowing the job, because let's be honest, like we're just going to be real. We're going to keep it in a hundred. A lot of managers, they just manage, but they don't know how to do the job. Mm. And if you are stepping into a position, I need you to have been there in order mm. to, you can't tell me what to do and you don't even know what to do. What? Like that doesn't make sense. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Yeah. It's so good. I'm curious, like if you were to be put into a position of leadership and hadn't done the the role, um, on the other hand, like what advice might you have for somebody who finds themselves there? Mm, so if you're so if I'm in a position and I've never done the role, but now I'm taking right. it on. Now okay. you're taking on some leadership. Mm-hmm. Oh, I think I would do my best to learn it. You know, mm-hmm. and I want to be able because nobody I don't respect and this probably sounds bad, but I can't respect somebody for doing for telling me to do a job and they haven't even done it. So I used to work mm-hmm. at Chick-fil-A and they make every they have a leadership and development program and they make all of their leaders go through the grunt work. So before you can lead a team, you have to go, you know, make a make smoothies or make the little uh, milkshakes. You have to go to the back and make chicken sandwiches. You have to be hands-on just in case it's time to dive in. You know how to do these things because when things get tough and you just are looking around at the chaos, you can't, nobody's going to listen to you. Nobody's going to yeah. be like, okay, so we're, we're going to ish. And what are you doing? You're standing around looking at us, trying to, you know, guide us and tell us what to do, but you're not jumping in to actually help us do the work. And so Mm -hmm. I think like that brings us to the characteristics of a leader. Like, what does that look like? Um, You want somebody that looks like you, of course. Like Mm -hmm. that was something that in my next job or in this current job, that was something I was looking for is I want somebody that looks like me because I know that they can relate to me if I'm going through something. And now I have a woman that is my leader. Even at my job, we don't even call people managers. We call them people leaders. Yeah, that's cool. Because there's a difference. And so like, I want to ask you, like, what are characteristics that stand out or like what makes a good leader? Yeah, man, I think for me, a good leader is someone who's committed to the task, someone who is fulfilled by the work. And someone who is motivating in the way that they carry themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, So I often, you know, you said I want somebody who looks like me. I think representation is everything. Very Mm -hmm. important. And I think that before we can often see something for ourselves, we need to see it in somebody else who Mm -hmm. looks like us and that we believe is attainable. And so 
so often it's hard for especially, you know, young women professionals of color to aspire to leadership because we just don't have those role models. However, when I think what makes a good leader, I'm thinking about somebody who puts them puts themselves at the the bottom rung, gets their hand dirty, mm-hmm. their hands dirty with the team and says, I'll go to bat for you. Mm-hmm. So if if you mess up, well we mess up and mm-hmm. I'm gonna deal with the consequences for us before you are yelled at, I will get yelled at kind of thing. <laughs> and just not being afraid to yeah, for some reason I think of go to bat and I don't even like baseball. <laughs> but that's where my brain goes. That's really what what the the leaders in my life have inspired me to is being there for my team and everything, really. Yeah, and that that's a great point is like are you only a leader when things are easy or are you one when things start getting tough cuz I know my first week I had an issue and I'm used to taking it on. I'm used to like being told like, okay, you can handle it. Call me when, Mm -hmm. you know, you figure it out or, you know, if it just gets, if it just escalates and it's like, no, you get paid the money to take on these things. (laughs) Right. That's why you're the leader and I'm following you. And so I remember my leader, I had something happen and they stepped in and they were like, Hey, don't worry about it. Like, I got you. I got your back. I'll I'll take care of it. And like a couple hours later, they're like, hey, it's all good. Continue your day. And I'm like, oh, shit. You know, like, yeah, it's the best feeling for me. Yeah. And it it takes a weight off your shoulders. It's like, if I'm not getting paid this leader money, then I don't, then I don't think I can do this leader work, you know? Um, So I think like just having somebody that, like you said, will go to bat for you and will Mm. advocate for you you know, and wants to see you win, wants to see you grow. And I often think like, usually some of the best leaders aren't just leaders that are internally in the professional world, but they practice leadership externally in, you know, their personal life. Because a lot of us will just, you know, we hold that position and then we get out of the, you know, into the real world. And it's like, "Mm, I'm just chilling, you know? (laughs) And I, I think that's a characteristic that you need to hold, you know, throughout. If you're, if you're gonna, if you're gonna, you know, dedicate yourself to something or say claim that title you need to own it you know yeah yeah to have that integrity through like every part of who you are which again kind of goes back to why I really try to take my morning seriously because if I skip that shit I am out (laughs) like I'm not good to anybody and I'm not good to myself and it's just better off that I don't show up (laughs) so (laughs) to, to your point of integrity I think very important as a leader, as a future leader, mm-hmm. to take it seriously how we treat ourselves, how we treat our body, how we treat our spirit, how we treat our mind, mm-hmm. because that stuff does like rub off on other people and, and they can sense it more than we even think that it can. Um, I just took a, a course from Yale on executive leadership. It was like six weeks and it was like five hours a week. And one of the exercises was reaching out to like 10 to 15 people in your network to understand their top three positive like memories of you. Mm -hmm. And when you showed off your strengths the best, and it was really fascinating to hear from people from all different stages of my life and how they perceived me and like in what instances they felt that I was performing at my best. And I kind of recognized that the more I focus in on um, 
in on my health and mm-hmm. then also my team's like well-being as a as a u- unit or as a like yeah as a being then mm-hmm. the more positive people feel about my contribution to something and my ability to lead so it was interesting no and and i love that um you did that and i think like focusing focusing on ourselves first is huge cuz we don't do that often we are i think that's an attribute of a woman of color or even a black woman is that we want to pour ourselves into everybody and everything and want to be, we want to just shine. Like we're always overdoing it because that's the only way that we feel like we'll get noticed is if we're doing the most. (laughs) I love using that Mm. term. (laughs) And why do we have to do the, why do we have to do the most to get noticed for something? Like why can't we just do what everybody else does and, you know, get noticed. And it's like the way life society has always been built we've always had to just go that extra mile and that burns us out and I know like a lot of women nowadays are jumping into that entrepreneurial spirit like they want to jump into working for themselves because that's where they that's where they succeed and that's where they feel like they can thrive and I've thought about it plenty of times like okay if I don't see the promotion track or this and the other I'm gonna go work for myself because I know I can guide my steps. I know I can hire whoever I want and I can make this thing, you know, beautiful and happen. And I was like, why do we have to go that way? Why can't we just work a normal job and then, you know, do something on the side? Why do we always feel like we're getting pushed out of the workplace into our own spaces? And now we have to build from ground up. It's so good. And even why do we have to feel like we have to have something on the side, (laughs) you Mm. know, like so many people (laughs) are just able to contribute at work and then like just enjoy life. And I think that's so much about what equity uh, strives for is like, Mm -hmm. we should all be able to enjoy our free time and we shouldn't have to worry about making an extra buck, like at the end of the day, point blank period. And And for so long, that has not been true for black women for so many reasons. Um, and I think it, it just continues to evolve and we, we do feel this need to either go work for ourselves or like have this side hustle that hopefully one day turns into our own thing. And, um, yeah, there's a lot there. Yeah, (laughs) that was a lot of unpacking and, (laughs) and I feel myself, that's me. And I feel like I'm always on the go and I feel like I'm never just full. You know, I don't know if you've ever had that feeling of like, I want to do more. I need more. I feel like it's like, where does that come from? It's like, girl, Mm -hmm. if you don't sit down somewhere, but it's like (laughs) we always want to put our hands and stuff and we're just like, no, I need more. I need this. I need that. I need to do this. I need to feel like this. And it's like, is that because you want to feel that way? Or is that what society wants you to feel that? Is that what society has you thinking is okay? Um, And so that's. Ooh, that's a that's a good one. Um, that's a good one. Um, <laughs> one one other thing I'll say about like becoming a leader, whether it is for a company or for your own company, one day. I think I've been, I've given this a lot of thought recently. Like, what is kind of the first step to setting yourself up well there? And I really think a it's it's knowing what you want. Mm-hmm. So getting really clear. Do I actually want to run my own business, have my own team, be a CEO? If so, that's awesome. There are a lot of narratives out there right now that that's the only way to go though, to your point, right? Like if you want freedom, build your own business. Mm -hmm. And that's not necessarily true. So maybe 
on the other hand, somebody wants to um, become a leader in the corporate world. That's Mm -hmm. just as great. Wonderful. But I do think it is important to have some sort of idea of what that might look like um, and, and, and what you really want. I think that's step one. Step two is believing that it's possible mm-hmm. because if you want something, but you don't believe that you yourself can achieve it, then it's not, it, it can't make its way to you because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, you are kind of attracting this energy of, yeah, but it's not for me. Mm-hmm. So number two is doing the work to believe that you have it in you and believe that uh, you can surround yourself with the right people to make it happen, even given the many obstacles that you know you'll face. And then step three is believing that you're worth it. <laughs> and mm. this one is probably the the hardest and the most important because it's one thing to say I want to be a senior vice president of sales, and I know that I can. It's another thing to say I believe myself mm-hmm. that I deserve that title, that I deserve that work, that I deserve that influence, that I deserve that pay, that I deserve all the things that come with that position. Because so many times when we don't see people in those roles, it's then hard to do any of those steps. But I think the hardest one is is believing your worth. And so if if you're listening and you've had a hard time believing in your worth, take the time to do that hard work and know that by having breath in your lungs, you are worth it. (laughs) (laughs) No, and I love that. And you know, we'll talk ourselves out of things so much. And I'm trying, like, I I am the worst at that. Like, I'll be like, "Mm, this sounds really good. I'm gonna do it. And I'll continue to say, this sounds really good. I'm gonna do it. And then it never happens. And I think like you said, like that first thing is just seeing it, seeing that vision and then believing that, okay, I can do this. And now um, believing your worth and then doing it, like taking those actions, regardless of what that may be, if that's, you know, Mm -hmm. starting a plan, uh, seeking people to help you with this um, and then putting it into action and actually doing it and following through with it. Because a lot of us will start stuff and we won't follow Mm -hmm. through. And it's that follow through that's going to get us further than what we thought, where we thought we we were going to get in the first place. Yeah, it's so true. The Continued action over time is ultimately what creates results. I think we get really caught up in like the either overthinking or just taking quick action, whereas consistency is definitely where it's at. And we want quick results, you know, Um, (laughs) we always want. And that's like, you know, I can go to the gym seven days and I want to be I want to look like Beyonce. And that's not what's going to (laughs) happen. You know, like it's that consistency, (laughs) being consistent in that follow through. And I think also. Um, in a in a job, if we're talking about follow through or being consistent and growing, um, I always tell candidates like growth looks different for everybody, and try not to measure yourself next to somebody else because you don't bring the same thing that that person brings, and vice versa. We all bring different things. Nobody is the same, and so and I think like just staying true to yourself. And I think as women of color, sometimes we do want to. We're trying to compare ourselves to other. Like, what do they have that I don't have? And nothing. I mean, like you, you are everything. It's just that we we're set up differently and it, and yeah. it's like we and I and I hate that we have to do it. we just got to work harder and we got to prove ourselves and I think like 
showing that and showing your value. And I shouldn't have to prove myself time and time again for you to acknowledge me. I think that's why a lot of women, especially during the pandemic, a lot of women of color have been leaving jobs because they're like, I don't have to tolerate this. I can go somewhere else that is showing me the value and is giving me what I need. And why, why am I still here? And so I think like, don't waiting and don't wait till the last minute when it's too late, when that employee is about to counter or, or has another counter offer. Don't, that's too late. Like you need to appreciate your employee before it gets that far, you know? Yeah. A hundred percent. Yep. And businesses have got to start taking that action. I mean, in California, they've been like introducing legislation for four day work weeks and all this craziness because people are demanding to be treated better. And I think it's about time. We are like past the assembly era. We're staring at screens all day. As humans, we deserve better. And certainly as women of color, we deserve better. Um, so it's been cool to, to see some action really at the legislative level too. Yeah. And that's what I want to ask. I, I shared an article with you before this chat and the article was called, Does Your Definition of Leadership Exclude Women of Color? So and in that question, and if you're a leader out there listening, um, or if you're on an executive board, you're a founder, whatever you may be, think about that question. Because a lot of companies think that diversity is just having a woman on their team and just one, just one woman surrounded by 15 white men. And that's not diversity or having, I I hate saying this, but having that bare minimum woman of color. So the one that, that just barely makes it. It's in, I know, you know, if you know, you know, like that just barely made, like they never have somebody that's on there with just a natural Afro or the curls just pop in. And they always have like that one where you're trying to figure out like, are they, you know, like I'm, I'm, I'm trying to figure it out, which we know what it is, but it for us people who are, you know, black women or mainly be Latino, it's like, I need to, I want to see somebody that I can identify with. I, I can't identify with you and I still don't identify with you, even though you may be a woman of color. I need to see more. I, I need to see you. And then maybe I need to see a brother next to you because usually right. that that's the next best thing is a brother. Yeah. You know, I need to see him next to you or I need to see another sister next to you. Like I need to see more than just one um, yeah. at the end of the day. And so in the article, it said that attributes company often look for in leaders, such as a competitive, dominant, objective, self-confident, aggressive, ambitious, or or overwhelmingly masculine. That's what they look for in the next leaders. And that often leaves women of color at a double disadvantage. They often Mm -hmm. don't fit companies' measures for leadership because those measures are developed for someone else. And that brings me to we are built or we were put in a system that wasn't built for us, but that's for a different day and different time. But mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, mm-hmm. we have to constantly just have this battle. And when is it going to end? You know, like, when are we going to be treated fair, get paid, get paid fair, get promoted fairly? Like, when is, like, when are we going to be tired enough and say like enough is enough? And when yeah. is the organization at the top of the chain, not at the bottom, at the top going to change? Because that's where it starts change at the top in order for it to reflect at the bottom. A hundred percent. It's so difficult to try to create that change from the bottom. And in the history of the United States, that's really where it's happened is grassroots organizations and movements. And without that top down, it's just, it just painstakingly so slow. Those attributes that you read off the competitive, dominant, you know, aggressive, ambitious, definitely apply to the standard Elon's Jeff Bezos of the world. 
And I think so many times because the investor pool for these big companies is so white and so male and so straight, it it's almost impossible to to break into it. And I think what has to be understood for folks at the top like that is that diversity is actually a good business decision. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's not only moral and it's not only right, but at the end of the day, like who doesn't want to make decisions for all people? Like that's the thing that I think I struggle the most with. If I'm going to sit down and, and create something I want all sorts of perspectives and all Mm -hmm. sorts of backgrounds and all sorts of understandings and perspectives. And so to just have one type of understanding of something, I just don't understand how it even works, but apparently it does. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I don't know if they don't think that the black community has money, but we got money. Like we got money and I know we're looking for things to invest in and companies to invest in. And so We're giving y'all some tea for, once again, the CEOs, executives, whoever's listening, like you want to tap into these spaces that aren't tapped into because that's just going to bring more of more customers or clients your way. And that looks good. We love to see if I see somebody at the company or talk to a diverse person that's at a company, I'm like, okay, that's why I bank with you. You know, right? (laughs) this is why I'm giving you my money because I know that you're treating my community right. And I know you just aren't hiring them just to make account. So yeah, once they figure that, um, they'll be golden, but it's yeah. just, they have to figure it out. And I think like they are so, especially like the conservative companies, they're they're so focused on their current clients, which is old money. <laughs> and if you know, you know, and they're not thinking about like the new generation that's coming up and what we look for when we're thinking about investing or putting our money into something. For sure. Yeah, I'm with you. Woo, this was this was a good talk. Um, <laughs> and I know you have some things coming up. Do you want to share uh, what you're doing or share anything with the audience? Because I know people want to hear like, what does Lindsay do? What is she yeah. doing in the future? I know you have like a couple of projects happening right now. Yeah, I appreciate it, Ani. And, you know, we just kind of really jumped into it, didn't we? Um, <laughs> which I love. <laughs> um, but yeah, I during my day job, I serve as a sales enablement manager and um, just got my first hire, so I'm learning all of what it looks to like to, you know, lead in a corporate environment, and have been pretty involved with DNI stuff. And then on the side, I have done a little bit of everything, dipped my toe into different things. I produced a short film that was called Outside the Box, and it was about a young black girl who um, had these big dreams, and the people closest to her were the ones to tell her not to go and and chase after those things. And so she really works through fighting some of those demons and really thinking outside the box and getting outside the box to go in and chase her dreams. So did a bit in film. I also co-founded a uh, a loose leaf tea brand with a friend of mine. His name is Tim Salau, known as Mr. Future of Work on LinkedIn. (laughs) And we actually serve our tea at LinkedIn headquarters. So if you're ever Uh uh, up in San Fran, grab a a, a glass. It's called Big Black Tea, and our our slogan is Choose Abundance. And finally, kind of long term, what I hope to do is is host retreats for high potential women, and specifically high potential women of color. I'm thinking I'd like to host these for women who want to build ethical businesses. Um, I'm really interested in that word ethical, and I think it it encompasses a whole lot of different things. 
both about how we treat our planet, how we treat people, and how we treat ourselves. And so we'd just love to get folks together in person, maybe in Malibu is where I'm thinking, just to kind of brainstorm, like, what does it look like to build a more ethical future and to have more of that be built by people who look like us? Oh, I just love everything you're doing. I just, I just love everything. Um, and so oh, if you are it. listening in, uh, follow Lindsay. Her name is Lindsay Peoples Todd, aka Miss Aha Moments. Um, follow her on LinkedIn. She is great. She's always posting good stuff. Um, and this is just an example of how networking, you guys can actually have a relationship out of social media, like off of it and just create relationships. And so I just want to say thank you so much for coming on here and unpacking hacking, you know, women of color and leadership. I enjoyed this conversation and we may have a part two for you guys. You never know. Um, yeah, yeah. Stay tuned. <laughs> also, I would be remiss if I didn't stop and pause to say congratulations for making your first offer. And it was accepted ah! today. Ah! A sis went and did it. <laughs> I did that. I did that. Congratulations. <laughs> I hope that you're taking time tonight to celebrate a bit. Girl, I'm about to go get an adult beverage. Yeah, <laughs> we love to hear it. <laughs> but thank you. Yes. And um, I think like that's something that I put forth is like I speak so highly on women of color and people of color. And it also reflects like in my actual life. And that's my goal. As you guys may have heard, like my goal is to bring diverse talent and not just diverse in color, diverse in gender, thought, anything else that may be considered diverse. Could we also could we always put diversity? it always is race and there's more to diversity than just race but yes thank you and if you're listening thank you for showing up thank you for listening to my show today thank you for listening to our conversation our chit chat um please rate subscribe review also feel free to share the show with your network because we love to grow and people need to hear these things and until next time see y'all and the music today is by houston rapper sean see y'all Fit in your box, I'm much more than an IG photo. But my capacity can't be cropped, don't think I know so. I had enough of-